What's up, guys? Before we get going today, just wanted to remind you, podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, I'm glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. Skybox is the inventor of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has brought Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry, along with years of wisdom and experience. These guys are the best in the business. You need to check them out. You've got the Preakness this weekend. You've got uh, NASCAR. Some baseballs getting going, NFL, excuse me, NBA playoffs are right around the corner. You need to check these guys out. They've got golf packages you can do weekly, monthly. I would go ahead and get the full year pass for every sport. It'll make itself back. I can promise you that. But you can do a four-week sports-specific package. You could do a week-long sports-specific package. You could do a four-week general pass, a week-long general pass. You get the picture here. Whatever you want to do, whether it's sports-centric or whether it's uh, all sports for however long you want to do it, they're going to have a pass that fits your price range, whether it's a daily weekly or monthly deal check these guys out they're running a special right now if you buy the four-week nascar package and it's not profitable you get your money back not sure how you can beat that you're either going to make tons of money which you will based on how the they're going with the nascar season so far they're up 23 units last time i checked which is about a week and a half ago we'll check back in with the guys soon but you need to check them out i promise you'll make your money back and then some which is the whole point of the site i'm not breaking any news there check these guys out skybox sports picks check out their twitter at Skybox Sports Picks. Let me double check the handle there. Let's get IT on that. Skybox, you got Skybox Picks, and they're all one word, and then Skybox NASCAR. They're giving out daily free plays. You need to check these guys out. Podcast also brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Greg needs no intro because this is a Grill Corner podcast, so I'm just going to let his meat expertise advertise itself. We got into a number of different things uh, regarding grilling we uh, had some bacon tips we had someone check in on a boston butt someone else asking about brisket easiest things to screw up i gave him some dumb questions about pizza grilled pizza that is because this is grill corner and then we got into the horse racing uh medina spirits hot pee how it, the horse is a victim of cancel culture how you cancel a horse and who greg's liked in the preakness stakes this weekend so check him out lb's university avenue across from kroger we probably, I'm not, I decided I wasn't going to do any Gunnar Hoagland stuff off the top. Uh, I know the injury news, if you've been living under a rock, Gunnar Hoagland out for the year with the UCL injury sucks, really stinks for the kid. I'll have some thoughts in the newsletter by the time you're listening to this. And I will also get into that with Colin due to my travel schedule, because I'm going to Oxford this weekend, Thursday night, which I'm sure I've said over and over again on the podcast, probably ad nauseum. We may record Mailbag Friday, Wednesday night. So that would be today. So uh, if you want to send in a question, I might drop that on Thursday. There's a chance. So point being, we won't get into the Gunnar Hoagland stuff on today's pod, but Colin and I will certainly hit that whenever this pod drops, whether that be Thursday or Friday. Anyway, uh, last note before we get going, just wanted to thank everybody for listening. The uh, Sunday night and Friday baseball shows in particular, uh, the numbers uh, have really kind of shocked me in terms of how much it has grown in such a short period of time. Look, we're not running up any charts here and thinking about going international and selling this shit to ESPN. Uh, I don't mean to misconstrue it that way, but it has grown a hell of a lot faster than I thought it would. Uh, it's made it a hell of a lot of fun to come talk about Ole Miss baseball, among other things, on Friday and Sunday night. So I really appreciate the feedback from everybody, whether you're catching this on a message board or uh, had just been a long-time listener. So I really appreciate it. Let's get going to Grill Corner. Here we go. Rippy writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. 
All right, we now welcome on Greg the Meat Sharp. He's back for another edition of Grill Corners. Check him out, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Needs no introduction from me. What's up, dude? Oh, man, just, uh, you know, getting ready for Vanderbilt this weekend and uh, getting the store stocked up and uh, just uh, going through the motions, man. You know, it's a full-out baseball swing, and uh, it just is what it is. So, yeah, we're, we're uh, full tilt over there at LB's. I'm excited. We were just talking about we were recording. I'm headed in actually to Oxford this weekend. We'll snag a drink. I'm uh, looking forward to getting back. I've uh, only really been back once because of COVID since I moved. That was New Year's when we met up as well. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting back. Looks like it'll be pretty good weather and uh, hopefully some good baseball as well. But I'm, I'm pretty pumped. Yeah, they've got some new books up there at the library that you probably need to check out. And uh, we'll, we'll read a couple chapters and uh, get a couple beers in for sure. So uh, <laughs> definitely need to get up there for sure. That's exactly what my plan was. I can't wait to go see the business school, all the classes I used to ace. It, it's it's going to be one hell of a time. You are uh, an, an international – I don't know international traveler. You're uh, you're going uh, continental United States. You're going global. You've got travel plans this weekend, too. We'll get to those in a minute. But it's uh, it's Preakness weekend, which is a big weekend, huh? Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, uh, horse racing is in the news uh, in, on every channel right now. And uh, – I don't know if you'd say that's it's good news or bad news, but uh, but yeah, I'm uh, heading Maryland. Um, so I'm, I am missing the Preakness. I just can't leave the boys um, high and dry with a you know home weekend with Vanderbilt in town. So uh, I'm going to be sliding out uh, Sunday afternoon, uh, heading to uh, work the um, the, um, the Face and Tipton uh, Mid Atlantic uh, sale and uh, Tipton uh, Maryland. So and I'm going to check out a couple. Baltimore Oriole games on Mondays and Tuesday on Monday and Tuesday so that should be pretty fun that's gonna be awesome I would argue you're actually uh you're actually kind of uh a horse uh a horse insider at this point because I'm assuming is does that sale I'm assuming that's planned at, at some degree around the event going on there this weekend right yes <laughs> yes it is and uh it's uh yeah it's the mid-atlantic sale that's after the preakness so uh, so yeah they uh and uh, last month when uh, we went to the OBS sale in Ocala, so uh, that's a pretty popular sale. But they, they have these sales every year, and uh, it's uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, part of the thing to be associated with the horses. You get to go to the sales and uh, get to check out the horses, and, you know, who knows, there might be a uh, Medallion Spirit, you know, uh, in Maryland waiting to be uh, bought for, you know, for $1,000. Yeah, no kidding. And so I would argue you're like the, the the baseball GM. Like to hell with the actual games. You're checking out new prospects, going to see the minor league teams. You're two years ahead of the game. You're just there for business. You don't need any of this racing shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, uh, it, it's uh, there's a lot of angles with the horses. Uh, we're actually uh, I'm in on a couple pin hooks, um, and I'm in on a uh, couple. Uh, we what we call them. Uh, <laughs> I call them claiming bangs. So uh, we try to claim a horse and uh, that's had a decent racing career, but uh, she's actually worth more as a uh, broodmare. So uh, we just, you know, try to claim her and then, uh, you know, have a mate with her, uh, with somebody to where uh, we, uh, we, you know, get her ready to go as a broodmare and uh, we sell her as a broodmare. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool angles. It's, uh, all, there's a lot in the horses. Before we get to Grill Corner, what's uh, what's happening at the store right now? People have been uh, from at least from my end, from the feedback that I've gotten, uh, that people have been wearing out the ten dollar prime strip, sixteen ounce prime strip you get for being a uh, subscriber to the Rippy Rights newsletter, Rippy Rights at Substack.com. 
I'll, I'll let you answer first, but I, I almost caused a full-on LB's riot last week. I, I, I doubt you even saw it. Because oh, I, yeah. No, I had a guy come in. I had a guy come in at, at 10.05 and let me know what, what uh, <laughs> almost happened. So, yeah. So, yeah I think I, I, I couldn't fully get I'm away with it. But I'll explain in a second what's going on in the store right now. Well, Zach uh, just got done doing the boudin, so we've got fresh uh, pork boudin, and we've got crawfish boudin for the weekend. Uh, got plenty of sausages. I'll be getting the fresh fish on Thursday. I'm trying to think what else if I'm getting anything special. I might get some um, some Wagyu A5, maybe uh, something special this weekend um, just to put in the display case. I've got um, four one-bone standing rib roast steaks that are like, 40-day dry age, so if you like a good dry age steak, I can cut a dry age steak for you this weekend. So, man, you know, it's all uh, all good. We always have the lane train going and uh, five to six ounce bacon wrap filet for 10 bucks. And, uh, you know, all you got to do is subscribe to Rippy Rights and you get a 16 ounce prime strip for 10 bucks. Um, you can't beat that. <laughs> you get two for 10 bucks, right? <laughs> Or whatever up last week. So, no, it was two for fifteen, I think. Two for fifteen. Yeah, that's what I almost did last week. When you you t I, t I always text you at least once a week, maybe once every other week, just to see if you want to switch it up or if you have anything new at the store you want me to plug in our ads on the newsletter every week. And you said you you said it fine. Like you texted me and you said, you know what? Tell them if they want a second sixteen ounce prime strip or whatever they want after the first one, they can get any additional one for fifteen bucks. I'm in a hurry trying to put that in the ad read before I leave to work. Yeah, it's like, all right, well, I, that sounds perfect. Two for 15. I, yes. I will do that. <laughs> so as soon as I hit send on the email, I looked at the ad read again, and I was like, oh, crap, I just sold it uh, two for 15. Which yeah. is not at all what you said. And I had a couple people immediately text me because I immediately sent a correction. I sent a follow-up email. That I was like, hey, my bad. I screwed <laughs> that up. Almost ran, ran Greg out of meats. Yeah. No, well, I mean, in all honestly, like, uh, that's one of the reasons why I, ha uh, I always run that special for you is uh, we've got plenty of them. And uh, so if somebody wants to come in and get 10 or 15 or 20, I mean, I got you covered for sure. Yeah, I just don't think you were trying to sell them off for seven bucks a piece, which yeah, I had because sure. I had a couple of dudes immediately text me. It was like I was about <laughs> to buy hundred and fifty dollars worth. Yeah, I mean, it was like, hey, I'm uh, on my way to Lowe's and pick up a deep freezer, and I'm just gonna go and buy Greg out on all these steaks since they're two for fifteen dollars. I had a couple of buddies email me back. They was like, "This is an outrage," and I was like, "Direct your ire at me!" Like that was just yeah. terrible reading comprehension. I almost caused a full-on riot. At LB's, but check him out. LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. You guys know the drill at this point. It's, uh, it's really a no brainer. We've got some questions to get into today. We've got a couple from last week that didn't quite make the cut. We've got some new ones this week. You ready to give some advice? Oh, I'm, I'm all about it. I'm ready. Here we go. Let's see. The first one we have, I'll go with the email questions first just to make sure I don't miss any because I'm liable to screw one of those up all right here we go the first one we have is what's the hardest cut of meat to smoke and what are your tips and tricks for making it easier um you know i think brisket is kind of one of those that uh it's it's easy to mess up and uh, um it's 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 a real basic uh cut of meat that everybody likes to do what i usually do is i usually take the whole packer brisket and just smoke it first whole smoke it to about 125 to 130 degrees. And then there's a point 
and a flat on the brisket. There's two different cuts on the brisket. So you have a flat piece and a point piece. So the point piece is a very fatty piece. So that's what I, what I like to do with that real fatty piece is I like to cut that off whenever you cook it to 130 degrees and then cut it up into like kind of like long thin boxes and you can do your burn ends which you cut them into long thin boxes, throw them in a, a, a half pan, and then sauce that half pan up and put tin fill over the, the, that half pan, put it back on the smoker and let it uh, smoke continue more in that sauce. And then once you get the, uh, the brisket at 130 to 125 degrees, you wrap your flat piece, which is that real lean piece that you see, you know, where it's meat and then the fat on the top. You wrap that guy up and then just wait till it gets to 200 degrees or whatever temperature you like. But um, it's it's uh, briskets are real tough. I think ribs are uh, are very easy to cook. I mean, I, like, I know a lot of people like to put them on the smoker for two or three hours. I like to just put them in the oven for 250 for about 30 minutes, and then once they get some texture and some uh, to it, just throw it on the smoker for about. 50, uh, for about 30 minutes to where you get some smoke on. But, um, yeah, that brisket's probably going to be the toughest thing to smoke probably. Why uh, – what, what makes – like what – I know you kind of outlined it there difficult. Like what specifically in your mind makes it so easy to screw up if you're not kind of an experienced brisket cooker? Yeah, you, uh, you can dry it out. You might can just leave it on the smoker, you know, for too long and uh, not wrap it up and uh, put it in a pan to where you save those juices to make that au jus. Um, that's why I like to, you know, cut that, uh, point off, make your burn ends with it and then wrap your, uh, your really nice flat piece to where you keep your juices and everything. And then whenever it gets to that proper temperature, you like, and then slice and eat. Is there an element too of, so if I'm not mistaking there, I know there's a couple of like, there's a Boston butt and a couple other things that take a long time to cook. Doesn't brisket take a long time? So is there an element of, if you screw it up, you just wasted a ton of time and you don't have any. Yeah, it's just going to be real dried out. I mean, it's just not, it's not going to be real flavorful. It's going to be real dry. Now, the Boston butt, uh, uh, I mean, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can do the Boston butt. You can just, you know, low it and slow it. I've had some people throw it in the crock pot, you know, and just really? put it up. Uh, well, just that way that you keep your all your juices in your crock pot and you just you have you can serve out of the crock pot. Um, but not everybody has, you know, a consistent smoker that they can put a six to seven pound butt on there to smoke for about, I mean, I usually smoke a butt for about nine to 10 hours at 200 degrees. So, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a pretty good, uh, lump sum of time that uh, goes on with, uh, smoking a butt. Yeah, I, so that's a, so both of those in terms of like time, I, you're, I know I'm asking dumb questions here, but I think that's part of the appeal of this podcast. That's like a, almost not an all day thing, but you're talking like six, seven hours, correct? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's something that you want to plan in advance and do it. I mean, it's not, uh, it's not like coming to the meat market at three or four o'clock in the afternoon and say, Hey, we want to uh, have brisket tonight. And you're like, uh, that's not going to happen, you know? Unless you have an instant pot or something that you can, I mean, no. I mean, just uh, briskets and Boston butts are a 24-hour, 12-pack of beer kind of sort of thing uh, to do. Is there a – you mentioned ribs earlier and that being something that's uh, kind of easier to uh, – can be easy to mess up sometimes if you don't know what you're doing. Is, is there a preferred technique to – 
make smoking ribs, whatever you want to call it. Like, do you have a preferred way of doing it? And uh, I guess the second part of that is, do you do wet or dry? Yeah, I mean, there's two. I mean, obviously, whenever we were doing the plate lunches, uh, I, I tried to do dry ribs more to where it's on the plate and it sets up easier and then put the barbecue sauce on the side. Just trying to make everybody happy. And, you know, of course, uh, some people like wet ribs, some people like dry ribs. So uh, with that being said, I just tried to do dry ribs on the plate lunch. Um, I, I didn't have three to, you know, three and a half hours to smoke my ribs, you know, like you're supposed to. Um, so what I would do is I would just kind of cheat and uh, wrap them up in tinfoil and put them in the oven for about 200 degrees to 225 and kind of get some instant, you know, heat on it to where it is cooked a little bit. And then that way I can throw it off in the smoker for about 30, 45 minutes. That way it still has that smoky taste. So uh, there's shortcuts. I mean, it's not like it's it, the, the ribs were bad because uh, they actually turned out perfect because whenever I pulled them out of the oven, I could uh, put some base, uh, base some uh, barbecue sauce on them and kind of, you know, give them a little wetness to them and then throw them on that smoker and finish them off. And they were perfect. Do you have a favorite barbecue sauce? Man, there's so many good barbecue sauces out there. Uh, you know, I would say uh, it just depends on my situation, but I, I mean, pretty, I'm pretty basic. I like the Sweet Baby Ray's. Um, and then I also like Kraft Original. Um, those are two different, you know, types of barbecue. One's a sweeter and one's just kind of like that original barbecue. And then um, Delta Ridge has a... Uh, bee sting barbecue sauce that's really good it's got some uh crushed um uh jalapenos in it it's pretty strong but there's a lot of good ones uh that sharon sauce uh is kind of like a vinegar base barbecue but if you're just kind of like a good basin i think that sweet baby rays and you know craft original i, I know that sounds pretty basic but uh yeah i, I kind of like those, those basic ones Dude, I imagine people, so I'm more of a guy, and maybe this is just basic, but I'm more of someone that likes more of a sweeter barbecue sauce than a spicier one. Uh, what kind? Wait, which way do you lean? And that seems to be kind of, uh, is that yeah, I'm a sweet kind of a too, split I mean. among barbecue sauces, like more of a sweet or a savory type of deal? Yeah, I mean, I like, uh, I mean, I, I like to do Hoover sauce on, on my ribs, you know, because it's kind of like a, a, you know, almost kind of that soy-based kind of sweet teriyaki marinade, but uh, it's just, it goes perfect with the dry rub that I've made over the years. And, uh, you know, to each his own, you know, there's some people like, like you were saying, want that wet rib and there's some people that want that dry rib. But um, whenever you're trying to cook for the masses, I always try to just do the dry rib and uh, ask for the barbecue sauce if they want it. Fair enough. I'm going to save this guy's second question for the horse raising segment of this podcast because we are as you know we have a strict plan and strict itinerary on this podcast you get one every week that i expect you to adhere to so uh we're uh, staying on schedule let's see the second the second question we have from someone at uh grilling related today is oh our, our man paul who didn't quite get it in last week and we're going to surprise him with two answering both of his questions that he just missed the buzzer on last week his one for this week was I want to start smoking my own bacon at home. Any tips for wood type, cure ingredients, et cetera? Just any tips on smoking your own bacon at home? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, you just want to get you, uh, go to your local store, um, meat market, 
and I'll, I'll I know that's a question coming uh, down the road that uh, where do I recommend getting meats in the Jackson Madison area and we'll get to that question probably also but you want to get your whole uh, belly if they don't have a whole pork belly uh, just try to get those little one pound packs of pork belly and then get all your dry rubs and all your seasonings and together and then just do kind of a taster with all of your seasonings, you know, cause there's so many different seasonings. There's a paprika base. There's a kind of a cumin chili powder base, a kind of more of like a taco base. And then there's something like the Hoover sauce that, um, you know, it's just very basic. So you just want to try to test dummy with all the, um, with all the different seasonings. And once you get your seasoning that you like for your bacon, get, uh, order a whole pork belly, trim it up a little bit and then, you know, brine it and smoke it. And you'll have your own homemade bacon at your house. It, this is a stupid question, but the pre-made bacon that like I would buy or something, someone who doesn't know how to cook it is lazy that you're throwing in a microwave or something. Does that have any sort of like seasoning or flavor to it? Or is it just artificial? No, no that's just commercial raw bacon. So how long does bacon you're kind of making from scrap take to make? It can't be. Well, that I mean, there, right? well, there's a lot of different ways you can, you know, make a brine for it. Uh, to where you sit in the brine for 30 minutes and then you turn around and take it out of the brine and smoke it. Uh, and then that way you have your homemade slab bacon. That's what that's called. What's homemade your guys' slab. bacon process like? Uh, we go through so much bacon that uh, I'm very fortunate that, you know, if I did my own bacon, it would, I mean, wow, it would be, we did Good our own bacon. bacon. It's, it's time consuming. It's very time consuming. Like, it, you know, you have to brine your butt, you have to brine your belly and then, you know, for a certain amount of days and then you smoke it and then you slice it and then you vacuum seal it. So, um, you know, uh, we actually did it and you can actually go on my Instagram. I think I've actually still got some of those videos or something like that, but, um, uh, I've had to, um, uh, and, there were so many cool things that we used to do, uh, you know, like, you know, making our own bacon, but just we're, we're so short staffed and we're just, you know, we're trying to get all the basics done to where um, that, that people that come in for ribeye sausage, we always have ribeye sausage, you know? So um, if we had some extra time and everything, I'd love to start doing our bacon again. That was awesome. When you're making bacon on your own, just for like personal enjoyment, how are you doing it? Yeah, just uh, I get a whole belly. I trim it up and, and I cut it up in half, and I vacuum seal it into and I um, brine it into two different flavors, maybe a sweet and maybe a savory, and then uh, brine it for thirty minutes for thirty days, and then whenever the brine's ready, uh, get your smoker ready and smoke it to the internal temperature of like I don't know. I think it's one. I I think bacon was one. 45, 50, uh, I don't think you want to go over 160 because uh, it dries out. So I think bacon was 145, 150. And uh, once you get once you get it to 145, 150, let it rest and then get you, um, you know, a uh, meat slicer that we have up there at the, at the store and just slice it one inch thick and you have your bacon that you literally throw in the skillet and eat for your uh, breakfast and eggs in the morning. You told me one time when someone asked a question that was completely unrelated to Grill Corner. I don't even know if we were doing a Grill Corner. You, I think you were doing a Mailback Friday with me, and someone asked the favorite steak in Oxford, and you mentioned that you, like, rarely eat out because, obviously, if you're doing a steak, you'd rather do it your way. How often are you, like, cooking and experimenting with different types of, like, meats and stuff just on your own beyond what you guys do at the store? 
Well, I mean, I, that's uh, what I do at the store. I, I mean, I don't cook anything at my house. I cook everything at LB's and uh, always. I had a uh, package come in the other day, and it was all different types of seasonings that they wanted me to sell in the store. And it was a product that I wanted to get in on because, you know, uh, there's none of this in Mississippi and Kroger. And I just kind of how I base LB's off as I want to buy products that are have, have sell products that you can't get anywhere but LB's. So, um, I, you know, I take a chicken breast and, uh, it, you know, put seasoning on it, try it. And if it's good, we like it. If we don't, you know, it, we, we, we move along. Let's hit the uh, – oh, do you remember what his second question was? I was trying to find it, but I couldn't remember. Was it the similar – No, I think he might have got it in. I don't, I, man, we have, we, get, we have so many listeners out there and so many people bumping in questions. It's just uh, – it's hard for us to get to all, uh, all 200 of them. That's a great point. The hundreds of thousands of people that listen to this podcast, it's uh, hard to see all you guys out there. If we miss one of your questions, sorry. Let's see the other one we oh what's a my a long time listener Brett good buddy of mine says what's Greg's recommendation for places in Jackson to get meat so that I don't have to drive two and a half hours each time I want to grill that's a fair point I'd argue it's worth the two and a half hour drive anyway but you know we got a gas shortage going on with the Russians or some sort of manufactured gas shortage so I can't ever be too careful my initial response to this was we declared war on Kroger two grill corners ago, so cross one off the list. Do you have a recommendation for Jackson, or are you just going to tell him to drive up to see you? No, I mean, uh, you know, uh, I, follow, I follow the floor butcher. Uh, you know, I know that's probably a solid 45-minute drive to uh, from Jackson, but floor butcher has some nice cuts. I'm, I've been in there one time and just went in their store, and it was a really nice store. It was a really nice setup. I know they sell – exclusive like Wagyu beef and stuff like that. You know, Fresh Market is just, uh, you know, it's all right. Uh, there's a uh, grocery store across the street from the Ridgeland Police Department on 51. It used to be a Jitney Jungle. I think it's a family-owned grocery store. I'm not sure what the name of it is, but I think they usually have a in-house butcher to where they, you can get some, you know, exclusive cuts cut there. I, I just – haven't been into the Jackson and uh, Madison area in a hot minute, but I would recommend the floor butcher or um, uh, I forgot. Um, was it not uh, little, uh, little Dewey's on the, on the reservoir right there by rapids, right past rapids and that shopping center. They used to have a really good burger. I don't know if they're still uh, available or if they're still around. And then um what was the uh, butcher shop in Jackson? I think that moved out to Glugstat. Paul Anthony's, is that it? That sounds right. And uh, that Yeah, Paul Anthony's. Yeah, I would try Paul Anthony's. If, you know, just – it's and that's what's, what's tough is, like, you know, there's, uh, there's not a place like LB's everywhere. And it should be a place like LB's everywhere, you know, where you can get exclusive products and get a good steak and you know what you're getting when you walk in the door. Absolutely. I, uh, I haven't even thought about that, like in terms of places to get meat in Jackson. Granted, it's, the, it's been a, quite a long time. It's kind of weird to say that quite a long time since I've lived in Jackson, like full time. I'm thinking probably the summer after my freshman year of college may have been the last time wow. I was in Jackson for an extended period of time. I've never thought about like places and butcher shops to get meat. Granted, until we uh, kind of met each other and started doing this podcast and all that, I'd never thought about a whole lot of that period. Uh, but I guess I'll surmise that to say, if anyone from Kroger's listening, eat shit, buddy. We're not coming your way. This is yeah. 
And there's a reason why LB's is located across the street from Prairie because they suck. <laughs> Hell yeah, the last, let's make shirts that say Kroger suck. I, I that on top of the people's holiday shirts that no, I, I mean, you know, I, I have some people, some Kroger employees that used to come over and get plate lunches all the time. And like, uh, should have got a picture of like one of them that said, There's a reason why they're over here. You um, got uh, the competition eating out of the palm of your hand. The other follow up question I had to this, not to divulge any deep state secrets here for you. But I was, and I'm putting you on the spot here. Have you ever thought about opening up a second LBs like near the Jackson Mark? Has that ever crossed your mind? Maybe it hasn't. I was just curious. Yeah, I mean, it definitely has. And you know, I'm originally from the Madison area, and I get up, uh, uh, and you know, it's funny. I had a lot of uh, friends that uh, I, you know, went to MRA with uh, back in town, um, Oxford weekend, and they were like, "Well, we listened to you on the podcast. We, we've been keeping up with you, Greg." And you know, it's just. I, I would love to do a location in Madison, but I just – it's really hard for me to be at two locations, and there's only one of me. So, uh, I'd much rather have one really, really good store and, uh, and you know, hopefully venture out to uh, find somebody that wants to, you know, be, be somebody, you know, like me and, you know, and uh, open up a butcher shop and, you know, sell the exclusive stuff and have really nice stuff. And so, I, I'm thinking about it, but – you know, just timing and employees are just one of the things that I need. You know, it's just I'm 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 struggling to find employees that want to work at LBs. You know, we're 12 years into this thing, and uh, it's uh, tough times right now. But you know, I'm very fortunate that I love my business, and I'm always going to have the door open. Uh, you know, for any customer that wants to eat a really nice steak. Amen to that. And uh, unfortunately, we have another question that's just trying to take you global. A buddy, Bracken Ray, uh, for a uh, guest on this podcast, Multiple Times, says, need Greg to do online delivery for meats outside of Oxford. A lot of people in Tennessee, Mississippi would sign up for it. I know that's a lot of work, though, but it's my favorite place in the, uh, of all time to go. Uh, yeah. Uh, how, would the, so, uh, how would that – I'm just – like, we're seriously just bullshitting here. We, we're not divulging LB's business plan here. But it, like, is there a like? Is, has that ever been done before? Can you do like a meat delivery system? How in the world would that even work? Yeah, I mean, it would almost kind of be like Swans. You remember the Swans, like the like the ice cream slash meat. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, like it would almost kind of be like that. But um, in a way, I would have to open up a separate location to where what I. I mean, my goal with it is to literally set up a separate. I mean, I don't even have a website, which. I feel bad when people Facebook me and say, hey, where's your website or what's your website? And I'm like, uh, I don't have a website. Probably just need to call the store. You know, it's probably your best bet if you, you know, <laughs> want to get in. I know that's like. You tell them the internet's a fad that'll go away in a few years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know that's total 1980s, but I mean, it's just good to talk to people. You know, it's just hard to communicate back and forth on a via a text message or a Facebook message or an Instagram message. And um so i just you know i kind of need to talk to the customer and fill them out like i had a bachelor party guy called me the other day and he's like look we're you know renting out this beach house and you know we want to have a steak night and like you know our our buddy really wants steaks from lb so like is there any way you can set us up with eight ribeyes and eight fillets and an assortment of sausage and i was like sure man and you know got his credit card and got an assortment and we got you know i threw in a couple um you know some half chicken some other things you know and it's just like cool you know 
for that to happen. It's just the best thing to do is just call and pick up the phone and call LDs. I'm like, that's that's going to be your best bet on things. I could I can back you up on that one because I took that golf trip this summer and then just kind of stumbled into the store and was like, hey man, what should I get to grill with this? And he threw a you know a dozen of those fillet burgers and I was the uh, most popular dude on that trip. Yeah. That, that took five minutes, so you need to go check them out if you're doing bachelor trips. You get a little steak in you before the strippers show up or whatever. Yeah, doing. absolutely. You make, sure, make sure you have the testosterone level up to the, uh, the most highest level. My thing is with the delivery is like uh, the, the, I can get the box that, that, you know, we can fill up all our LB's product in and ship it back. But it's just you have to keep the box and you have to, you know, ship the box back to me and just um, it's just a whole nother can of worms. But we're trying our best with it because – you know, it's a very, it's almost a separate business just because, you know, when you come to Oxford, you know, there's unique places in Oxford that don't have, that you can't get anywhere else either. If it's in Atlanta, Dallas or whatnot, and there's, you know, not an LBs anywhere. And, you know, whenever you come to Ole Miss and get, you know, walk, come in at like five thirty, five forty-five, and get those, you know, chicken breasts, asparagus, and those three poppers. I mean, it's just, there's not, you know, any other places like that. And so I'm trying my best to work with it because I, I really think it's just a separate business that I need to tackle. It's a good problem to have. It's uh, it's trying to meet the demand. And the if you do end up doing some sort of delivery service, like 10 years in the future or whatever, you need to name it the LB's Pony Express. How about that for an idea? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, dealing with horses and everything. I, I like it. We probably need to call uh, a horse uh, the LB's Pony Express uh, in general. Yes, I love it. Before the even delivery system, you just if you get a horse – and you have the naming rights. You need the next horse you get that you're going to name needs to be the uh, LB's Pony Express. My mom started listening to this podcast apparently, so she's probably not going to like the bachelor party comment. Have we had a podcast since my mom uh, just snuck that photo in when she ambushed you at the store? Have we talked about this? I can't remember. I think so. I mean, you know, I, I, I was I was as, as good a sport as I, I could be. You know, I'm really not a picture guy. <laughs> definitely, uh, definitely uh, true. <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not really a picture guy. And uh, it's kind of funny. I literally uh, shaved my beard off the other day and people and there was like three or four went to the library and like three, the both bartenders walked by me and like I was like, hey, can I get a drink? And they were like, oh, hey, Greg, man, I didn't notice you. So. So, yeah, I'm uh, getting the double look right now, not having the beard. The beard thing's a real thing. The, uh, a couple weekends ago, we were doing a baseball live show during the LSU series, and someone went out to the bullpen, and Colin and I were like, who the hell is that? And it was oh, yeah, Austin, Austin Miller, Miller, but he shaved his beard, and it took us 10 minutes to figure out that that was Austin Miller because you couldn't see the back of his jersey. I've never had this problem because I've been working on the same beard since 1995, but I've been told if you shave it, it's a, it's a real problem if you've been look, rocking that look for a while. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, like I said, I, I literally walked past, uh, I couldn't tell you how many people, and they didn't have a clue who I was. I it was a, actually nice. I had a guy, <laughs> I bet that is nice to some degree. I had a guy at work today, to make a long story very short, we're working with a new SEO company to, like, help out our website. So we were, like, meeting the guy or whatever, and, like, two minutes into the meeting, he says something to the effect of, I apologize for my appearance. In a couple of weeks, I'll be back to my natural state. And this guy's wearing a hat, and he's got like a beard, got a goatee thing that's borderline goatee, borderline handlebar mustache with some mean sideburns on the side. 
I just thought that that was the look he was rocking. He's somewhere in Colorado or Arizona. You know how the look goes out there. Like that place when you're in the mountains, you're like, shit, that guy's climbed some mountain that I've never heard of just off his facial hair. But he like apologized for it. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. I was like, uh, no worries. Like, is this not your normal look? And he said, no. I had a buddy that showed up to my wedding with a full-on mullet and the grossest-looking mustache you could possibly imagine and took all my wedding pictures with that look going on and, like, a cowboy hat. So now eight years later, he's getting married, and I'm returning the favor, so I haven't shaved in a couple weeks, and I'm growing a mullet. So that's a power move, I thought. Yeah, well, this is kind of funny. I've literally had a beard since, like, I don't know, I forgot, seventh or eighth grade. and. I uh, I shaved my beard off and I just did the mustache and I, I literally looked like Mario, like on Mario Kart, like <laughs> literally. And I got an email that said from the Tupelo Journal and they're like, hey, you know, we love your business and we'd like to do an article. And I'm sitting here as I'm reading this article, I realized that I've like shaved my beard and I just have this, you know, Mario mustache. And I was like, oh my God, I was like, I'm about to get my picture taken for this article and everything. And I've got, I look like damn Mario, Mario off Mario Kart. So, um, yeah, that's, I mean, you know, you gotta, you gotta be aware of uh, when you gotta cut your beard off. Is that better or worse than Matt Patricia? Oh man, that Matt Patricia is, it's, I mean, I mean the only thing about the Matt Patricia is cause like Matt Patricia was a good coach until he went out on his own. And then he became a loser. So, like, you mean that? Like, he should have just. I'm going to be Mario for sure. Yeah, I'd probably want to be Mario. You have your own game. And you have, uh, it, it, yeah, and you have, and you have friends that are in the, on the game with you, you know. So, so, yeah, I'd probably want to do the Mario. But, yes, literally, like, I play, uh, I showed up to my buddy's tra- Travis's house at uh, Lake Caroline, and we were playing golf. And he, I hadn't seen him in a hot minute, and, like, had the mustache and everything and he probably couldn't stop laughing for probably about an hour you know just because he couldn't really take me serious but i was just like yeah man i mean you know just rocking the mustache that's just what i'm doing i just got a late submission for a grill question corner via text and the question is do you ever factor fruit into anything you're grilling and i've seen this before and i don't even know how to begin to approach this but just take that any direction you want well, I mean, the best thing to grill and probably smoke is going to be a pineapple, I would think. Uh, we do a uh, smoked spicy Hawaiian sausage that has jalapeno, pineapple, and pork and bacon. So uh, that's a, I would say uh, pineapple is going to be a really solid smoking uh, fruit. As far as any other fruit off the top of my head, I mean, I don't know if, if the uh, – I mean, I bet that Harvest Apple that we do that has the Granny Smith Apple, uh, I bet that's a really nice smoked sausage with uh, with Granny Smith Apple. Um, other than that, I don't think, you know, smoked bananas or, you know, or uh, any other stuff like that would be kind of would be kind of good. I think pineapple, we probably just need to stick to the pineapple would be your best smoking uh, fruit. You can smoke a banana? Uh, I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm Rippy, I'm pretty sure you figured this out. You can smoke anything out of, that's uh, a great point. That's a great point. You, uh, <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> you know, but uh, do I recommend smoking bananas? No, I don't recommend. I mean, I recommend uh, peeling and freezing bananas. I love a good frozen banana. I do. Banana's probably my favorite fruit, just a random tip uh, for the Grill Corner. That's my one contribution to the show today. My second contribution to the show today is actually a Grill Corner question that I had. I thought about this the other night. I don't remember what I was reading, or I may have been watching something, but it, I think I was watching Shark Tank, and people and a guy had like a like a mini uh, wood chip like grill to do pizza on, and then I kind of went down the rabbit hole, and people grill pizza. Have you ever dabbled into that at all? Obviously, I think this would be a personal thing because you guys aren't whipping out pepperoni slices at LBs. Have you ever gone into that at all, and how does that work? Yeah, I mean, you know, and all honestly, uh, we used to make a frozen pizza. We used to get a pre-made frozen crust, and then, Ooh. you know, like our Italian sausage and ribeye sausage. And uh, I don't know if you've ever had the chicken spinach feta sausage, but chicken, spinach, chicken spinach feta sausage, cheese, uh, cream cheese uh, on a pizza with some Alfredo sauce is a really, really good pizza, regardless if it's a pre frozen crust or not but uh yeah i mean lb's is like right up i mean like that's kind of one of the things i really wish i could do um but there's just like a, a thousand pizza places already in oxford so i mean i'd just be uh but no like have your own like homemade pizza bar like if you want to have like kind of like a subway kind of setup to literally that has harvest apple sausage ribeye sausage flying pig sausage you know, just certain th certain sausages that we make and certain sausages, and then you literally make your own pizza and then take home and cook it. I love it. I might uh, I might have to try that one weekend. I'm sure I'd screw it up five times before I got it correct. But uh, we, well, you know, I got time to kill. Let's uh, we have two more questions before we dabble into the horse racing. I don't think either of these are remotely serious. Uh, was Arby's lying when they say they have the meats? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I can only uh, – I've never been to an Arby's, uh, and I can only just, you know, vouch for their commercial that I see every once in a while. I'm sure they have the meats, but, I mean, they don't have the meats you want, you know, unless you just like cold, frozen meats that have been processed like five years ago. Uh, it's probably going to be your Arby's, right up your Arby's alley. But if you want a, you know, fresh-cut steak ready to go and some homemade sausages made in-house, I mean – those are the meats that I want, and that's probably why LB's has the meats. I've never been like a fast food roast beef type of guy, so I, uh, I, I've been to an Arby's. I just never – I that's not my thing. So, sure, I, I can't say they're lying. I won't call Arby's, Arby's liars. We're already waging a battle on Kroger. I think we need to take on one major corporate chain at a time. The last question we had as it pertains to Grill Corner was – no, sorry, we have two more. So, hey, Dad, my old radio colleague says, was he serious about sending me meat? Which I think maybe yes. last time. I mean, yes. I mean, like, I was actually kind of, it was, I felt kind of slapping in the face, literally reaching out to a Mississippi State, you know, uh, guy that, you know, we're trying to take care of and say, hey, you know, like, we, we appreciate what you do for, for the sports game, and we're going to reach out and help you out. I uh, so I, I'll put it. I'll leave it at this because Hey Dad did appreciate your answer as it, for, it pertained to tri tip last time because he actually asked me specifically. He said he's too old to listen to a full podcast, but he wanted to know where his question. Well, yeah. What we'll do is we'll we'll let him know when we talk about him and answer his question like 
time frame wise to where he can go ahead and fast forward. I'm just going to tell him to come by the store the next time he's in Oxford instead of wasting all that time at Gus's that he loves so much and to come by and that you will, uh, you'll guide Yeah, him. no, just tell him to call the store and say, hey, I'm Brian Haydad and uh, you tweeted at me a couple times and I'm the Mississippi State beat writer. Uh, don't hold that against me. Can you uh, bring me uh, – can, can you take care of a little care package for me so I can do that for him? There you go, hey Dad. If you're out there, I actually made him send another question just uh, for the fact that he uh, asked that one, and we, I think we kind of answered this last time. But was it the tri tip? Through it again. What's his preferred smoking? What's his preferred smoking woods by meat? Why does everybody want to know about what wood? People love wood chips, man. People love smoking the wood. I'm telling you, I'm glad I kept my cliff notes from last uh, podcast about the about the wood. Uh, let's see. <laughs> All right, so the mesquite and the hickory wood is a very potent wood. So, like, it's a very strong wood, so you don't need a lot of hickory or mesquite if you're trying to smoke it. That is a red meat wood to use. If you're trying to do something like ribs, brisket, pork, just something in general, pecan and maple are going to be your best wood chips to use. That's a milder wood. It's not as strong as hickory and the mesquite wood. And then just if you just want to put some fruitness into it, I would use cherry or apple and then pecan just in with a little of the maple or the hickory or the mesquite. So just very basic, but you don't need a lot of wood. But hickory and mesquite are going to be your main red meat smoking woods. Just be careful. They are very strong wood. You don't need a lot to use it. There you go. Limit yourself on the wood. People do love the wood. We've gotten tons of questions about that through the couple grill corners we've got. I believe – no, sorry, we had one more stupid question that I'll just run by you because there is no time wasted on this podcast. Uh, although it's an old pal, Michael Quirk, hope he's doing well. When is LB's coming out with the cicada ice cream like that spot in Columbia, Missouri? Hashtag people are asking. I must have missed this story. I know there's been a big cicada buzz on the internet. I don't really understand the internet at times. Is uh, LB's not dabbling in the ice cream game, are they? Is that a Bitcoin? No, no. I is, think that, is that crypto or is that something real? I think he's cicada. talking about the bug, the cicada, the oh. bug. Wow. Uh, uh, I would love to, I love uh, this you immediately went cryptocurrency because for a second if I didn't like come immediately like recognize Cicada I would have done the same thing because I, I played golf with a dude two weekends ago that uh and I didn't know any of these people I I've rehashed this story on the podcast for our regular listeners about how just awkward that whole weekend was although these guys I played golf with were awesome did he just talk about crypto the whole time no, no, he was great. He had a ball marker, and finally after the, last, like, seventh hole, I was like, what the hell is that? Because it was, like, the largest ball marker I've ever seen, and he was like – and I'm making up the name. He was like, that's a flash coin. And I was like, gosh damn it. Like, how many coins are out there? You've got Dogecoin, Dogecoin, whatever the hell you call it. Right. I don't understand cryptocurrency. I, uh, You know what? There's probably a cicada currency out there is my point. I would think that's so. That's hilarious. I would think so. I apologize for not knowing about cicada ice cream. No, 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 no. I don't think you're supposed to know about cicada ice cream. because I, prob I probably need to st uh, stop reading this book, uh, The Man Who Listens to Horses about, um, by Monty Roberts and start uh, reading about cicada ice cream uh, angles. But you're aware of cicadas the bug, right? You have to be. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I, I, 
in seventh grade, I had to do a bud project for, for Miss Allen. And like, so uh, yes, I, I'm very familiar with my bugs. Okay. So I don't understand the whole cicada deal uh, in general, but I've never, definitely never heard of cicada ice cream. So I don't know what to do with that one. I will say I went to Seattle one time when I was probably a junior in high school. I was with my family and the Mariners now serve fried grasshoppers at their oh, stadium. Wow. I'm just not. Did you get, did you get any garlic fries? Man. Did you get any garlic fries at, oh, at Seiko? I did not. Yes, those garlic fries are awesome. And I'll tell you what, the, the garlic fries at the San Francisco Giant Stadium, too, that, like, make the whole stadium smell just amazing are incredible as well. I'm just going to go off principle. I'm not a big eating insects guy. Call me nuts. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I get they're probably high in nutrition levels, but, like, I mean, I feel like I, sh I can get some nutrition in uh, other areas instead of eating bugs. I think they're uh, eaten by people that are high in other areas as well. I just, yeah, I mean. Y'all don't say, before I bash insects too hard and just upset the insect community, y'all aren't, uh, aren't, uh, aren't uh, hawking insects at LBs, are you? That, there's something no, like we haven't. We haven't started a cicada sausage or a, uh, or a grub worm smoked cheese or something like that. I mean, no, haven't haven't ventured in on smoking uh, uh, insects. To uh, uh, no, sorry. That's we're, next we're, up after the delivery service. We're gonna have like a dung beetle sausage. Sorry, yeah, to yeah. Uh, we're we're just trying to stick to the uh, the pork, the beef, and the uh, the chicken and uh, the the duck and you know and the fish. You know, it's like people things that people are very familiar with. Now let's get to the real stuff. The horse racing. We had one horse racing question that I want to kick off this segment. Well, we have the Preakness this weekend. I'd like to pick your brain about why horse racing is in national news and this entire storyline behind it. I think the best way to kick it off is from the listener that we kicked off the questions with. And I just want to make sure I get this question as I'm scrolling through again. Is Bob Baffert – oh, I just clicked out of it because I'm stupid. Hold on. Here we go. This is great podcasting. Here we go. Is Bob Baffert the Lance Armstrong of the horse race world? Uh, I think that's uh, already been answered probably about three, four, five years ago. Um, you know, man, I, I, I get it, you know, and um, they recently have taken Lasix out of stakes race. And I don't know if you know what Lasix are. It's uh, just kind of a uh, kind of something that's injected into them to help them not bleed because they're running at 40 miles an hour and you know so man it's a tough deal i, I mean you know like uh baffert's been doing this for a hot minute and uh not saying that it's good for the sport but um you know he every time he has gotten punished and is tested positive it's just been basically a slap on the hand and a five thousand dollar fine and you know suspended for a week um and, you know, the, the sport needs to move forward from it, you know. And don't get me wrong, I, I loved when Barry Bonds was hitting baseballs out of the stadium and Sammy Sosa was hitting, you know, 60, 70 home runs. And, you know, that was good for the sport because, you know, the sport, the sport was struggling. You know, they just got out of a lockout. And, you know, the, the attendance was down and, you know, kind of the integrity of the game, you know, was kind of almost, uh, almost on the wayside. So you have to – do something i'm just saying in general uh bob baffert winning his seventh kentucky derby 
uh, with a horse that uh, was a $1,000 yearling and sold for $24,000 out of a, you know, uh, in the next sale, I, I, that, that's not good for the sport. Now, if it was a, a trainer that was, you know, not well known and took a horse like that and won and, you know, and it didn't test, you know, positive and it was kind of like a real good feel good story, it'd be a really good story, but it's not. It's the complete opposite. Yeah, so I have so many directions I'd like to go with this. One, I uh, I started reading up on Bob Baffert as this story happened. I kind of wrote like a little satirical nugget in the newsletter today, uh, blaming it on the horse as opposed to the owner. But like in all seriousness, I started reading about Bob Baffert. And to be honest, my preconceived notions, and this is probably a great example of why you don't judge a book by its cover, is I just assumed he was some rich asshole that had gotten – you know, rich and successful and worked hard and done something in some sort of industry, whether it be oil, I don't know. I'm just naming the stereotypical industries. But this guy is actually a racing lifer. I believe he went to the University of Arizona and graduated from a racetrack industry program. So like, yeah. he's not just some guy that made his money elsewhere and decided to buy in the horses. This man is a lifer in the industry for almost what? I don't know, four or five decades at this point. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, and it's, uh, and you know he's put 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 um, you know put his time in and everything like that. It's just uh, man, there's so many good horse people out there, and uh, this is just a black eye for the sport. And it's just uh, man, it's tough because you know you turn around and look at the lineup that's going off this Saturday. There's two Bob Baffert horses in the in the race. You know, <laughs> you know nothing's changed. Yeah, and so what's interesting about that is you mentioned his previous run-ins, and I'm not familiar with them, and you don't have to go through every one, but, like, how many roughly are there and how egregious has it been over the years? I think, I think there's seven. Holy sh good God. Seven? Yeah, I, was, so, I was thinking you were saying, like, three or four. Seven. No, I, I mean, I know for sure there's been five, but overall I think there's seven. His most recent ones were uh, Gamin, which – she didn't even need to take whatever the fuck you, whatever he was giving her, uh, what, you know, uh, and Charlton who, you know, is a super horse and he really didn't need to take whatever he needed to win that race on top of it. So it, man, it, it's, it is what it is, you know, like, man, I'm sitting here trying to create an angle, but like, you know, the people that, were athletes, you know, and I'll just list out, you know, and I'm not trying to call out a particular person, you know, the Lance Armstrongs, the Barry Bonds, the Sammy Sosa's, the Rafael Palmeros, you know, the, you know, the Jose Canseco, you know, like they chose as an individual to, to, to cheat and to take the steroid, to take the, the, the enhancement. These horses are in the care of whoever their, their trainer is, you know, so it's you know it's kind of a, two, a little two different angles going on. Yeah, that certainly makes sense. I have a theory on this, and so obviously with these athletes, they 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 kind of and they are athletes. I mean, like I, I know that you might think they're a horse, but like these, you're talking about a a race that literally was two weeks two weeks ago, and you know you go all in for the Kentucky Derby. If you have an opportunity to to run the Kentucky Derby, you take it and you hope for the best, and, you know, because you're not worried about the Preakness, you know. You look at the Preakness field, there's 10 horses versus 20 horses in the last, in the last race. 
it's extremely hard for a horse to turn around and run in the biggest race of his life and then two and a half you know stop two and a half three weeks later later he's getting ready for even the second biggest race of uh of his life yeah sure that makes perfect sense i was just kind of going off the fact that like so even in other sports these athletes like they get so addicted to like even when it becomes the past a point of money right like the, the first thing you do as an athlete and the first thing you do when you get into sports particularly pro- obviously professional sports is to try to be financially secure and you do anything you can to kind yeah, of better make, your life exactly better your life and do gener- and get accrue generational wealth well once you pass that i mean you see with any good athlete tom brady lebron james they're chasing glory and they're chasing the titles and they're chasing kind of cementing their places, you know, some of the greatest in history. And I just look at Bob Baffert's resume, not knowing, admittedly, not knowing jack shit about horse racing. But he has this run in the early 2000s where he wins a Belmont, a late 90s, early 2000s, wins two Kentucky Derby, three Kentucky Derbies, three Preaknesses in a Belmont. And then essentially, not essentially, I mean, he, he, swept the, he swept all three, it looked like, in 2015. I guess that was the Triple Crown winner. But he goes 13, 14 years without winning one of these major races. Maybe something happened I don't know about. But do you think it's the fact that he kind of returned to glory and this whole, like, oh, I guess this temptation of kind of juicing these horses is the fact that he doesn't want to kind of fall out of grace again? Does that make any sense? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the main reasons why Medina Spirit tested positive for what she tested, he tested positive for was you know, like Medina Spirit's last race was against Rock Your World. And I think he might have lost by eight lengths. And, you know, um, in horse racing, eight lengths is about like getting run ruled, uh, almost getting run off the track, you know. And I just think that, you know, Bob prepped Medina Spirit to where he doesn't get embarrassed. And I didn't think that he had a chance of winning with Medina Spirit. But, um, you know, Medina Spirit went out to the front uh, and did what every Bob Baffert horse does and goes out to the front, controls the pace, and comes down the stretch. And, like, I couldn't tell you I've seen four to five races, maybe more than that, than that Bob Baffert horse come around the, 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 the final stretch, and he looks beaten. Like, he looks like the horse on the outside is about to take over and run right past him. And for some strange reason, I don't know what it is, the horse re-breaks and re-breaks two to three times and wins by a length to two lengths. And it's just, you know, that's just not horse racing, I don't feel like. Makes sense. So I didn't realize all this. I I should have just texted you or called you as I was reading about this this weekend. So the whole – It's very whole. My horse is a victim of cancel culture – and also, by the way, my horse, some guy that was on cough syrup pissed on my horse's hay that he ate is just complete crap, right? Yeah, well, see, I will let you know, first of all, I'm not the most educated horseman in Mississippi. I know there's probably at least five more people that know more about horses, maybe a hundred more. But with that being said, the horses do not eat the hay that is on the ground. It is a thicker hay. It is a, you know, denser hay, and it's not eating that hay. It is eating the hay that is hung up right by the stall door. So there, there, there goes one little angle that he just lied blatantly about. 
I just love that. On his seventh or eighth offense, as you were pointing out, that he's like, yeah, sorry, some guy that was, you know, slurping cough syrup took a leak too close to the horse and it ate the uh, – <laughs> Yeah, and that's, just, that's ridiculous. And, you know, obviously Bob, you know, went on every syndicate and, uh, you know, CBS, uh, CMC did everyone and said that, you know, he's the victim and, you know, somebody's out to get him. Well, he's not the victim. He's, you know, he's the problem. And uh, with that being said, you know, as you can read in the headlines, his lawyer was the one that talked to the Preakness uh, management staff to get his horses in the race to, uh, this weekend. Not Bob back. That's probably as good a transition as any before we close this out. You do have the Preakness this weekend. Medina Spirit or Medina Spirit, excuse me, will be racing in this race. Uh, I'll just open the floor to you like last time. What's, uh, give me your Preakness preview. Well, I promise you Medina Spirit is not going to finish first, second, or third. Uh, I mean, I just – um, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's a great story, but if it was any other trainer, uh, in charge of that horse, I, I would be all in on it. But, uh, I, you know, concert tour is, is, a, is another Baffert horse and, you know, concert tour, I have no idea why he didn't run in the, uh, Kentucky Derby. Uh, he should have, he's a good horse. And, you know, his last race, he got, uh, closed out by, um, by super saver, which, you know, you look at this race and there's only. One, two, three, four, uh, three horses that are running that ran in the Kentucky Derby. So uh, gives you an idea of what's going on and how hard it is to win the Triple Crown. And, you know, with that being said, you know, uh, you would think every baby that American Pharaoh produces is going to be a Triple Crown champ. Well, he hasn't been. So that gives you an idea of what kind of uh, guy Bob Baffert is uh, working with the horses. So, with that being said, I mean, I'm going to stick with uh, Midnight Bourbon. You know, he didn't get the ride that uh, he should have got with Mike Smith in the Kentucky Derby. I, I mean, I guess Mike Smith was uh, pretending like he was on Zenyatti in her last race. But with that being said, you know, I ride Ortiz is an extremely good jockey, and uh, I, li I like Midnight Bourbon. I think Midnight Bourbon um, can, uh, can win this race easily. Uh, I just think it's concerts to, concert towards uh, race to lose. And it's just, uh, if you're going to go with a long shot, I like Fransco Dinata or whatever that is. And, uh, you know, I just like Midnight Bourbon. I really think uh, I'm just going to go with Midnight Bourbon. I like Midnight Bourbon. Well, the last thing I have for you before we get out of here is, so you mentioned you're going to that sale after the race. When you're talking about these horse sales, how long, just say there's a winner, like there's a, there's a thoroughbred or whatever the hell you want to call it, like a horse that's going to be an elite level horse at that sale. How long before, how long, like, is it before a horse like that goes from sale to trickling into like the sport's biggest stage? So um, these horses are two-year-old horses. They're going to be late and early. So an early two-year-old is going to be born in January to February. And a late one is going to be very, uh, going to be born kind of late April, maybe early May. Um, there's two different, you know, situations. You can look at a horse and uh, he'd be born on a January and February. He's pretty much fully developed as a two-year-old. And I'm just sitting here trying to sound like I know what I'm talking about. I really don't. But uh, there, there are some horses that were born in, you know, late April, uh, early May that, are almost fully developed and you know and it's almost 
they're a little bit cheaper because they're a May or an April and they're not, you know, full out developed and they need time. But these two, these horses need, you know, they, it, it's like an NFL combine. They've been training for the last month and a half to, to run the best, you know, 10 to 12, 15, 30 seconds of their life. And they're judged off of this, you know, workout that they're, that they're about to do. So they've been, you know, put to the, put to the fire and, you know, they've been working out and they've, you know, that sort of thing. So, and, you know, it's just hard to judge a horse off of a 38 second, uh, th- uh, uh, you know, 40 second video, but horses have characters and, you know, sometimes you just got to find, you know, find them, you know, like I've told, I sent you that Todd Grantham, you know, bought a horse and I think it's cool. You know, I think it's, uh, I would love to, talk to Todd Grantham about, you know, why he bought that horse or why he got into horsing just because, you know, it's, it's cool to, you know, see other people getting into the sport. So, um, but yes, basically what this is, is it's basically an NFL combine and these horses are judged off their 40 seconds of on the track video. And uh, that's all you can get out of them. Check him out. LB's university Avenue across from Kroger, the uh, horse racing and meets master. This was great, <laughs> I appreciate it as always. Um, enjoy. I'll see you this weekend and then enjoy your trip up to this horse sale. And we will do another one of these again in a couple weeks. Check him out. LB's university Avenue across from Kroger. Appreciate it, dude. Yeah, as always. And uh, we'll check. Uh, I, like I said, I, I think I got a couple books lined up for us at the library this weekend. We need to read. So we'll, uh, we'll knock those out. Get after it. Easy reading. Everybody have a safe and happy end of their week. We'll be back at it on Friday.